This is episode 52 of the Just Get Started podcast, and my guest today is author and world traveler, Rita Sarah. Let's get it started. Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. And excited to have you here on this episode where I get to introduce Rita Sarah as my next guest. Um, Rita recently just published her first book called The Diary of a Blonde Vagabond. Um, It's a book of poetry, um, and and really it's a culmination of many years of writing this poetry where she kind of just had it huddled away. Um, and really took that step of vulnerability to get it out there and, and share it with the masses and, and share a lot of her thoughts and insights. So I met Rita about six months ago, and right when I met her, it was just this, anyone been through this? I, I guarantee everyone has at some point. You've met these people in life where they just give off this intense energy of positivity, and I could see it in you know her smile, the way that she you know the way she talked passionately about what she was doing. Um, it was just really incredible. And the reason I'm sharing that is like you know I was so like you know kind of rah rah in her corner cheering for her when she told me that hey I'm gonna be you know wanting to put this book together. I you know I kind of should do this. I'm and I don't think she had it maybe all figured out at that time. Um, and for her to go through and publish the book and it, and it just released um, a few weeks ago, I was just so impressed. So when I saw her post that, that she had released the book, I said, I got to have you on here um, because, you know, Rita is the exact guest that I love having on this podcast because it's individuals that are going out there. They're, they're kind of beaten to their own drum, right? Uh, they're doing the things that they want to do that make them fulfilled in life. And they don't really worry about what other people think. Not that they don't care what other people think. They just don't worry about it. It doesn't take up a lot of their headspace. Um, so anyways, had Rita on. We have a great interview. I think you guys are going to have a ton of takeaways. I was just blown away by I, I've never even thought about traveling the world. Um, I'd be scared shitless, I guarantee it, um, if I was out there on my own. So just the story she shares, I mean, just that in, in itself is incredible. So um, I think you guys will absolutely enjoy it. So let's jump right in to my interview with Rita Sarah. Let's get it started. Rita, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining this evening. Yes, thanks for reaching out and having me on the podcast. I'm very excited about it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to chat with you a little bit. I know, you know, when I met you earlier this year, um, had a really good discussion, uh, some similarities and stuff. We're kind of talking about life and the universe and all that shit. and it's really cool to see, you know, one of the reasons I want to talk with you, obviously, you had just, you know, kind of put this book out of poetry. Um, and I really want to talk about that because I think that's such a huge thing with folks, that vulnerability, taking that big leap. Obviously, the podcast is called Just Get Started. Um, so let's, before we jump into all that, let me take a step back because I'm really curious to know a little bit more about you and maybe share with the audience as well, kind of, you know, some of your upbringing, you know, some of those type of things from a creativity, artistic standpoint, like, how did you get into writing? Did you always do that? Can you start a little bit there, kind of take maybe a few dials back into kind of childhood, adolescence, and and then we'll, we'll spin it up from there. 
Absolutely. Um, so really I have to big time shout out thanks to my parents. They um they really fostered this idea with my brother and I that we could do anything we wanted to do, be anything we wanted to be, just as long as we went for it and gave it our all. So I I've always enjoyed reading big time, loved that literary world and from that I think I was kind of always a writer all along before I even realized it. It wasn't until my latter years of college that I kind of made the decision, realized that's truly what I'm happiest doing when I'm sitting down with a pen and paper and getting my ideas out. Um, So I was raised on rock and roll big time. My parents, they were huge. You know, Bruce Springsteen, The Who, Eagles, Tom Petty, little Bob Dylan here and there. One of my earliest memories is standing on the living room ottoman, singing all the words to Pinball Wizard. And I didn't understand at the time why my parents thought it was so cool. They're, you know, first grader, knew all the words by heart. So it was, uh, I'd say, a creative upbringing I had. It was very free. You know, they let me make all my decisions about what I wanted to wear. And, you know, they always took us traveling. And so it really helped open the mind to all these possibilities beyond just a traditional life, so to speak. And and how long did, were, were you always from a poetry standpoint, which we'll obviously get into in a little bit, did you always did when you used to write, was it poetry? Was it just writing your thoughts down, you know, journaling type stuff? What, what was the type of stuff you were writing? Um, a little bit of everything. Um, I was never one who really necessarily kept a traditional diary of the ongoings of what happened in my day, but I've always been one to jot down little notes, whether it is on a piece of paper, or my phone, and just, I, I like to say I write down words that sound nice together. So sometimes it is just one line, just, you know, five or six words that have a little rhyme to it. I save it as a note in my phone, add, you know, a hundred more notes in there. And then every once in a while I go back through it and scroll and put them together. For me, I consider writing kind of doing a puzzle, like putting the pieces of my mind together. And sometimes it takes a few days or weeks of stepping away from a piece of writing to then come back and add another layer to it and connect these notes together. So some of these poems that I have in my book that are six pages long literally started with just one sentence. And then from there, I build on top of it and sometimes cut and paste sections to different parts. And it's like doing that puzzle. And in school, too writing papers, I would just start, you know, much to my English teacher's dismay, didn't really make an outline. And sometimes I realize I started with the last paragraph or what I thought was my opening was the middle. So it's, that's my process is just put words on the page. And then the more I do it, I get excited. And sometimes, you know, I'll have a little pun I throw in there, another line that rhymes and I get so excited that I just almost want to cry out with victory, but it's that process of as the door opens and everything just kind of spills out. 
And, and was there any, like, I guess growing up, and because I'm so big on that part of life, I think that, you know, a lot of us, a lot of the things we're doing today or the, our habits or behaviors are, are because of that, those early days. Is, is there anyone that influenced you from a writing standpoint? Or was it just kind of yourself that started putting pen to paper? Um, or was there some people you followed or read a lot or? I would say my biggest influence has been uh, Bob Dylan. It's a lot of musical artists, um, such as Barry Maguire, Bob Dylan, John Lennon. I love their their words. You know, they so clearly just have these themes and ideas or their views on life. And in high school is when I really started listening to Bob Dylan a lot more. I was, and it just kind of clicked with me what he was saying or just how open and candid he was with his writing. And so that's really where I first got inspired. And then a few authors that I discovered, Jack Kerouac, um, Chuck Palahniuk, Kurt Vonnegut, they really unlocked something in me as I read more of their stuff. I like their satirical style and it's just so brash and honest and open and they, didn't really seem to care, you know, what people thought of them or the negative backlash just because they stayed honest to themselves and true in their art and just let themselves open. So that helped kind of build in me, foster that want to write, write poetry, and then just to be really open in my work. So I want to put a pin in that for a second. I want to get back to the poetry, obviously talk through that. Can you talk about your backpack trip? I think that's pretty neat. Um, Can you talk about that whole event? One, why did you decide to do that? Absolutely. So I knew my whole life I wanted to go to the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, go Tar Heels, and I did. And it was about halfway through school I realized, oh, I'm supposed to figure out what I do after I graduate and I'm a history major and for a while I said I'm gonna work in museums and then maybe write on the side and then that grew to I want to work in museums and also work towards becoming a writer and then finally about my senior year my language had graduated to I want to be a writer that's my goal it's not a dream it's it's a goal i going to make it happen and maybe one day I'll go back to school and get my master's degree and work in museums so my best friend and I we planned to move to Austin Texas after we graduated just different city you know seemed like a young fun place to be a lot of music there and that was our plan and then January of 2016 due to graduate that May she told me that she needed to live at home for a year to save up money to go to grad school which I understood. So then it was on my hour drive home back to UNC. I was thinking, oh no, I'm back to square one. What am I going to do? I don't want to go back to live at home. What's my plan? So this all, my idea for my backpacking trip really came about in one hour's time. I had studied in Brighton, England the previous semester. So I was thinking, okay, I have friends there. I had a little taste of the international traveling world. I really liked it. And so I thought, I'm going to do it. 
I had a cousin getting married that October and another cousin getting married the next June. So I figured, okay, eight months, that's reasonable. I'll just take off and bookend my trip that way. And I would start in England where I had a little home base of friends and people I knew. And then from there, I thought, well, I'll go to Spain, kind of chasing the endless summer. I looked up the weather and saw Spain was very beautiful and pleasant and sunny in November. And then I really wanted to go to Southeast Asia. I was drawn to it because um, through my studies of history, my favorite era is the Vietnam War era and the politicalization of rock and roll and counterculture movement. So I really, I just wanted to start seeing some of these places I dedicated so many of my educational years to. And best time weather-wise to visit Southeast Asia was November to March. So decided that. And then I figured I'll meet friends probably, hopefully somewhere in Southeast Asia. And then I'll go back to Europe for two more months and visit them. So it was a very loose plan. And October came around, and the day before, I finally had my freak-out moment of, what am I doing? I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know anything about backpacking across the world, let alone by myself, but I took the leap. I bought the plane ticket, you know, months before, a one-way, and so I, I did it. And then slowly, just I planned little bits, add-on as I went along, you know, week before I'd research my next place, next destination, figure it out a little bit on the fly or talking to the other backpackers and travelers I met, ask where they had been, where they'd stayed. And really just after the first two or three days, I kind of found my groove and I enjoyed staying in hostels and meeting people. And the backpacking traveler community is just rad everyone you meet for the most part is open-minded down to earth you meet someone and within 10 minutes it almost you're having sometimes deep conversations about religion or morality government and then the next thing you know you're laughing about your most embarrassing moment it's a great just no pressure situation you're in all the time it's like being a kid on the first day of kindergarten you sit down someone asks your name where you're from and then you become friends and sometimes spend the next three weeks together non-stop traveling hanging out getting to know each other so it was really that community of people just really helped further me along and once I got to Southeast Asia uh, that my first stop was in Cambodia I found this website called Workaway. It's work trade volunteer and ended up finding this guest or not guest house art studio called art Shram. and they said sure we'd love to have you for a week come stay with us and there I met a wonderful community of expats and people who weren't necessarily backpacking but living there most people were teaching English as a way to make money but these were all artists you know, tattoo artists, visual artists, singers, people that I met them and they really inspired me, this idea of after my eight months, instead of finding a traditional job of sorts, I could do this long term. So I kept going through Southeast Asia, really fell in love with the culture and the people and 
met a lot of friends from Germany and the Netherlands. So I couch surfed for the next, for my last two months around there, you know, even ended up camping for a few days in the Bavaria region of Germany with a scout troop from one of my friends that I met. And then I decided, you know, I think I should explore my own backyard and I'm going to drive to my cousin's wedding in Chicago. And then my mom's cousin was getting married in Washington state. So I figured, well, I'll, I'll spend six months driving across the U S you know, travel around the Pacific, California. It always been a dream of mine to visit. And I had heard, I'd learned from a, a girl I met along the way that in California, there's a lot of work you can find in trimming weed and, a lot of medical farms out there. So I figured, well, I just got to get out there. Maybe I'll get lucky, meet some people, find a job. And sure enough, that's what happened through another work away. I met this rad couple, worked on their land in the East Sierras area, and they put out the word that I was looking for some paid work and got connected, got myself on a farm, worked out there for a month and just a, a dream job. And through that, I saved up enough that then I was able to go to Africa for a few months along with my best friend and another good friend that we met on the farm. And we traveled around South Africa and through Mozambique, Swaziland, Morocco, where we met a lot more friends from Germany and the Netherlands and then spent another few months going around through Europe before it was back to California for more work in Belize. So before I knew it, my eight months on the road turned into 28 months of just kind of letting the path unfold like dominoes, just one to the next. And it's a little bit going on faith and trusting in yourself and just staying open to the adventure and saying yes to opportunities and never being afraid to meet people, sit down, talk to them and just seeing how it transpired. <laughs> That's a pretty fascinating 28 months. I um I don't really I have to pull back about 15 layers there for a second. So Fair. Okay, so I can't I'm not going to backpack and meet anyone here in Cary, North Carolina. So talk to me about like backpacking in Europe and Southeast Asia. Like are there just people where where do you meet these people? Um so a lot of Europeans backpack I met a slew of people from Europe, um, not too many Americans. Uh, in Europe, it's a lot more open to the idea of after high school or after college, you take a gap year, you travel. A lot of people go to Southeast Asia. And so it was funny, me being there, I, like I said, started in Cambodia because I found a workaway place to go. And didn't really think what was logical geographically because I had never met anyone or knew anyone who'd gone backpacking. So upon arriving there, a lot of people I met in Europe kind of laughed and said, what are you doing? You're doing it all backwards. You know, you're supposed to start in Bangkok. You go through Thailand, you go down through Laos and Cambodia, then up through Vietnam. It's the way you do it. And so there's a lot of people I met from Europe. They had a friend or many friends or an older brother, someone, sibling, who had done this before and kind of taught them the ropes. But I was just kind of – I was just rolling with it. Um, but there's 
some different resources, like hostileworld.com is a website I learned about. And so that's a nice budget-friendly way to travel. You know, if you stay in a dorm room with up to four people or sometimes 30 people, the more people you share within a room is cheaper. So I found that resource and just through talking to a lot of people, um, figuring out where they stayed, what cities they went to, what to do in that city. I had a my phone with me and an iPad. And so that's where on my iPad I bought that for my trip so I could keep up with my writing. And I had started a blog before I left to let my friends and family keep up with me. But it was a lot of word of mouth, um, a lot of just not being afraid to go up to people and ask questions about what to do, how to do this, you know, where do I get my laundry done in this town? And just talking to people, kind of learning the getting the traveler's footing down. And people were really friendly and open and down to share their knowledge. And so kind of learned along the way just how things go. And um, in Europe, it's a little different um, in the sense that, I mean, it's more expensive. But in Europe, people kind of tended to have a more hard and fast plan, itinerary of where they wanted to go. And so which is nice, but I definitely, I found myself enjoying the relaxed Southeast Asia atmosphere and pace of life a lot more. And there I learned it was pretty accepted that you meet people, you know, you, and then immediately you'll start sharing a a room with them in a guest house, you know, two or three of you because it's cheaper. And um, it's a lot of putting yourself out there and not being afraid to make friends and, Honestly, it's it's a lot easier to make friends traveling by oneself versus there was a few times like my brother or another good friend met me along the trail and you know when there's only one of you it's you have to sit down at a table full of people and just say hey you know my name's Rita what's going on and it's funny um, two of my best friends that I met through traveling that I'm still good friends with they're both from the Netherlands. And I, um, I've gone back a few times and visited and stayed with them. But it was my second night in Siem Reap in Cambodia. And it's been two days I've been there, you know, and hadn't met anyone yet. But I, at that point, I was kind of ready just to have a, a day and a half on my own with no one else. Cause truly, it's a lot harder to go a whole day without meeting someone new. I mean, I can be sitting, headphones in, writing at a hospital. And someone will come up to me and say, hey, what's going on? What's up? What's your name? It's such a friendly environment. But so I was in this hostel, and I met these two guys super briefly. They were staying in the dorm beds next to mine. We chatted for about 30 seconds about how the food was at that hostel, and that was it. And the next day, I went to this museum by myself, and it's sweltering humidity, of course, in Southeast Asia. So I was sitting by the pool, and I noticed they came down and were sitting at the bar. And so I decided, okay, time to make some more friends. I'm going to go upstairs, take a shower, come downstairs, and if they're still there, I'll invite myself to have a beer with them, and and we'll see how it goes. And at this particular hostel, it was 
on the tab system for everything, the food, the bar, and you just pay your whole bill when you check out. But I decided, you know what, I'm going to bring my wallet just in case they invite me to go get dinner someone else and it's somewhere else, and I don't want to have to be the girl that says, wait, let me run up four, four flights of stairs and I'll be right back. So sure enough, pass by them, start talking, invite myself to have a beer. They say, of course. They ask if I want to go out to dinner, and then they said, okay, by the way, we're going to visit Angkor Wat, this incredible temple complex tomorrow. Do you want to join in our group and share a tuk-tuk so it's cheaper for all of us? I said, sure. And then the next three weeks, we ended up traveling together nonstop. We were a little trio, went to this island together, Korong, spent nine days just sharing a room for three, hanging out, meeting people. And now they're still two of my best friends. They told me, you know, months ago that they were going to buy a copy of my book as soon as it came out, and they both did. And so that's kind of how backpacking goes, is learning along the way, putting yourself out there, and just seeing where the next day will take you. You have to have a little bit of that, that drives you to step outside of your comfort zone and keep going along, but then the freedom you have to not have to make plans with anyone or explain your reasoning. You know, the days I was on my own where it's when I'm hungry, I stop to eat. You know, if the road's sunnier to the left versus the right, I'll take a left. It really is just kind of a mind-numbing amount of freedom it gives you, which is what drove me to want to just keep traveling on my own. So after all the time traveling, how did you not travel anymore? Like, did you, did you have that thirst to keep doing that or were you kind of just through with it? Definitely had a thirst to keep going. Um, but last fall I made the decision that I think it's time for me to be more grounded in one place for a little while. So I've currently been living in Wilmington, which is a city in North Carolina, very close to my hometown of Oak Island. Oak Island is very teeny tiny and petite and charming, about 7,000 people. So I didn't want to quite go back home, but Wilmington, it's a little bit bigger city, bustling, a lot more opportunity. And I decided, you know, I have never had the experience of actually living on my own, having a job, paying rent, balancing that. So I wanted to get to know myself a little bit more, get that experience, and then also give my writing the time and energy and focus that it needed to be given because as wonderful as traveling is, like how I mentioned, there's always a distraction. There's always someone else to meet, to talk to, who invites you to go do something to have an experience that you might not get again and discover the wonder. So I've been blogging and writing poems along the way, but I wasn't truly giving my writing the fair attention it deserved. So that was part of my reasoning for wanting to take a step back. And I'm not done with traveling by any means, but I'm at the point where ready to have a little bit of balance of working for a few months at a time and then taking a trip. So um, that's what I'm doing right now. I have some trips and crazy adventures and things planned that I want to do, but 
the plan for now is um, my boyfriend and I, we'd like to start a farm together in California and work really hard about eight or nine months of the year and then take another, that last three months to travel and backpack and explore another region of the world. So I'm finding my middle ground, kind of finding, settling into a little bit of more of a balance. So, you know, instead of taking off for 28 months, I'll probably take off for three months now. So hey, you got a little plan me. there in place. That's uh, that's always nice. So exactly. So let's transition. I want to talk a little about the book and kind of the, uh, if you give us the breadcrumb trail of, of how this actually, how this got onto Amazon, how you actually launched it, if you will. Um, cause obviously you've been writing this for many years, it seems right. And I, so talk about how you compiled this all together. Why now? Why not? Why not a year ago? Why not a year from now? Why, why now was the right time? Um, mostly now because I was finally ready in part to share my poems with the world. So it's a very personal book. It's called Diary of a Blonde Vagabond, which is a little rip from my blog, which is thatblondevagabond.com. So some of these poems do date back years, like you mentioned. One called Statistical Woes, I, I wrote while I was supposed to be paying attention in my statistics class, but wasn't because as a history major, numbers just kind of go over my head. So and that poem's all about, you know, the the division we have between cultural groups and religions in the world and questioning, you know, why why is it like one of the lines in there is, you know, we believe a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, but why is it that a god by any other name is the devil in disguise? So that was a poem I wrote and felt passionate about back in college, but wasn't ready to fully share that with the world. I wasn't feeling bold enough yet to kind of let everyone know my thoughts and opinions. So I would just continue to write poems and keep them saved in my journal. And the main type of writing I'm really passionate about that I'm working on, I have a book, the first four or five chapters written is satire. I really love satire and historical fiction. And so that's, what I thought I was going to plan to do and publish first. Um, but it was about last year, this time exactly in May that I'd say is when the creation of this book truly began because I was sitting down looking through my poems and I realized just how many I had that were completely written or nearly finished. And I had just picked up this great anthology of poems called truth and lies read it, loved it, and that gave me the spark of realizing, well, oh, I could put together my poems because a lot of them had similar running themes such as travel or questioning the world around me through the lens that I gained through traveling of experiencing different cultures and religion and different people and the way they live. I realized that there's running themes so I could put them together and form my own anthology. So it was probably between last May and June that I focused on finishing, which I say that in air quotes because as a writer, truly nothing's ever finished and you will debate yourself back and forth of 
do I need a comma here or not? Or should I put this word here or not? But, you know, I, I finished all my poems, had them, then, uh, then it was the task of putting them in a fluid order, kind of telling this story that makes sense, that starts more inward focused, then goes this person goes on to travel and then it turns to the outward lens of the world um then i got back to the states most recently after my last international trip past june i then reached out to a good friend of mine who's an artist um about designing a cover and some little pictures to go along with some of the poems sent it to her we had a few skype conversations about it she created those, and then I sat down with one of my good friend's stepfathers because he has self-published some work, and that was the part of the process I knew nothing about. I had the creative material in my hands, but I didn't know how to put it out into the world. So I had a meeting with him, and he talked me through what he does, which is publishes through Amazon. They have a wonderful platform and portal for people to self-publish, because kind of the way the world is the way it is today, it's very difficult to appeal to a major publishing company like Random House or Penguin if you don't have any following and if you're just starting out. So his advice is to was to publish through Amazon, use their portal because it's free. They've got great tutorials that walk you through the process of formatting a manuscript down to the margins and page numbers, title headers, table of contents, everything. Um, and they have a great program for making a manuscript for a Kindle. And then you can, after that, upload it to Kindle Publishing and then send it directly to Amazon. You get to choose how the price, um, what categories and tag words that will pop up if people search for, um, you write a description of it and mention, you know, kind of what demographic it's for. So I, the last about two months have been that beast for someone such as I who probably should have grown up in the 60s. Uh, technology kind of baffles me sometimes. So it's been an on, it was an ongoing process of, figuring that out, working out the kinks, learning the program, but I got the Kindle sent out, and that didn't quite feel real to me. It didn't really hit me in that moment that I'm a published author because then it was the next two or three days I formatted the paperback manuscript, and through Amazon it's great. You can even upload your own cover art, everything. They'll show you what your book's going to look like. You position everything on the front and back cover, and so... It was about midnight on April 29th. I hit send, and then, you know, it said, okay, it might take up to 72 hours, but then your book will be available for purchase. And it was just a flood of relief, you know, this realization of this goal that I've been working on for in some ways as far as these poems go, nearly three years. So, you know, I had to step outside my apartment and just, smiled and hung out under the stars and then I started telling everyone about it and the next day around 11 o'clock I got the email from Amazon that my book was available for publishing and so 
told my family and friends about it, you know, put a little message out there on Instagram and Facebook, and it was just, it's been surreal this past week of all the responses I've gotten back, and the next day, Tuesday, I was looking on Amazon, just looking at my author's page and all that, and I noticed that it said my book was number nine bestsellers for poetry anthologies on Amazon, and I was thinking, no way, this has to be lying to me, you know, or what, there's only 10, and no, I clicked on it and looked through, and, you know, it was sharing some of the top 10 spots with Shel Silverstein and Dr. Seuss, and it had made it to number 12 for bestsellers in literary journals and diaries, and it was the number one new release for poetry anthologies on Amazon, and it was just an incredible rush of happy tears in the coffee shop I was sitting in at that moment of not only had I I did the thing I set out to do, but it was so well received. And so going back to your question of why now, it was truly just now it was, I felt like I was just almost bursting with these words that I had inside me from all these lessons that I learned through traveling. And it just, it was going to kill me. It just, slowly eat away at me inside if I never released my words to the world for better or worse if people are critical it's part of the process but through traveling finally just gained slowly over these two years the confidence necessary to set this book free and it it does kind of feel like you know being naked in public it's very personal I talk you know some about depression and anxiety in there and then at the end you know I go on to question you know some things about philosophy and morals and government and my poems some of them are very blunt and you can tell my opinions on things but I've learned you know it's I have to share it because it's what I just feel inside myself it's what I want to do and it feels wonderful to know it's out there but then so everyone, you know, had been ordering it and telling me, oh, can't wait to read it. And then, because it's on Prime, two days later, people had gotten the book and started to read it. And then that's when my mind goes, oh, oh, right. People are about to learn a lot more about me. But it's strange in the way that I don't feel any apprehension or nerves about that. I'm kind of just excited for people to get to know a different side of me or maybe, you know, make people think or possibly see the world in a different way or I don't know, but it's just, it's exciting to now see what this book's going to do. And I'm, you know, have another one in the works by the end of this year. My goal is to publish another volume of poems because I have plenty more in the works that are half finished or finished that didn't quite have a place in this book. So just now it's, onward and upward and sharing more. It's giving me a whole new energy and dedication and drive to keep posting more on my blog and writing more and very excited to get this book finished that I'm working on. Yeah, that's really neat. That, and just hearing that kind of, you know, on this side, I know we're not doing a video, it's more, it's all audio is a big smile on my face because just you know, there's a whole thing about just get started. It's like, you know, people that are being fulfilled in life. And I could hear it in your voice, the excitement, the enthusiasm, um, the energy there. You know, it reminded me of a, 
of a quote I heard um, a little while back uh, from Brene Brown, who most people know Brene Brown, but, you know, vulnerability is not about winning or about losing. It's the ability to show up when you can't control the outcome. And I think that, you know, what you just said was like, I just got to put myself out there and I'm not sure how it's going to be received. You hope it's going to be well, you never know, but you kind of got to take that leap. So that's really awesome. Uh, that's really awesome that you're doing that. And, and obviously you have a lot of support from, from friends and family and otherwise. Um, I, w- I want to ask you something about the book. Um, Cause I had perused through um, on, on Amazon a little bit. Um, you know, you talk about mentors and people that have, you know, been a part, you know, all these people that have been a part of each of our lives. Right. And, and have helped us to get in uh, different parts of our careers and, and where we're at. Can you chat, you, you dedicate the book to your great aunt. Can you, can you yes. chat about that? Why? Yes. So, um, great aunt Corinne, she was my grandfather's sister, uh, and just an incredible, amazing woman. Um, so I'm the youngest out of my whole dad's side of the family. There's 10 of us cousins. And so aunt Corinne, she was married once, never had any kids of her own. And she, in my years, I kind of knew her as my eccentric great aunt from New York, who's zany, works at a thrift store, you know, always brings little trinkets and presents for people and will always make everyone laugh in the room, mostly from telling inappropriate jokes. But then as I got older, I learned more and more about her. And um, so she you know, was born early 1920s, grew up in the time that wasn't really thought of that women would go to college. And, you know, I never knew my great grandfather, but apparently, you know, he really believed and pushed in my grandfather and, you know, wanted him to go to school. And he, you know, went off to med school, but he didn't believe that Aunt Corinne, you know, it was, it wasn't necessary for her to go off and go to college and all that, but she was having no part of that. She put herself through school, got a business degree. She went on to be friends with Eleanor Roosevelt, you know, work on the U.S. Nuclear Council. She traveled to Iran. She just lived this spectacular life. Um, Before I went to Southeast Asia, she was the furthest to, you know, ever travel in our family. She, you know, then, you know, went on to own her own business and was just very successful in many ways and went against the status quo and didn't let anyone stop her. She was kind of fearless in many ways. And so she passed away in November of 2016, which is right about when I began this trip. It was actually two days after I reached Southeast Asia, got the word that she passed away. And so I was the only one in my family that couldn't be there for the funeral. And it was the whole family gathered and Aunt Corinne stayed true to herself towards the very end. You know, she actually wrote her own obituary. It was a little tongue-in-cheek. She had made a scrapbook of her life and accomplishments. And the last page, she had imposed herself on the Looney Tunes logo and wrote, well, that's all, folks, and, you know, said that in her will, I guess she wanted the whole family to sit down and have a meal together on her so everyone had, you know, steaks and dirty martinis which is her drink and so 
it was it still makes me a little sad to think that, you know, I'm never going to get to tell her any of my stories that I made through traveling and, you know, my first day in Southeast Asia, I walked into this art space community of people who just gave me a hug and there was actually some confusion in me getting there when I was getting on the plane in Madrid to head to Cambodia. At that point, I hadn't actually heard back from them, confirmed an email that, you know, they were ready for me to come. And then I got this note, oh, sorry, at a music festival, love to have you, please come. And then turns out they planned the music festival. And then the next morning, I'm riding around on a back of a motorbike through the crowded streets of Phnom Penh. And then hanging out under the stars on the roof of this community art space. And I just remember thinking, wow, out of anyone, you know, I feel like she would have been the most proud, just beaming to hear about, you know, the youngest of all her great nieces and nephews who kind of did the same thing, decided to live life by their own standards and not do what was expected of them or what was the normal in society and she would have just been so stoked to hear about it and so and actually through her passing she left a bit of money to all of us great nieces and nephews and without that it my trip probably would have ended a lot shorter it helped fund me and carry me along and get me all the way through Europe and then in the U.S. and able to travel across and then meet the people I did. And so in many ways, she really helped let this trip come to light and keep it going. And so that's why I dedicated the book to her, just because and more as I got along, just felt more and more connected through her and her kind of wild traveler spirit. So I just wanted to let her know in some way that I appreciate her and my way of a little bit trying to get to share these experiences with her. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, and it seems like she had a fascinating life. So um, definitely a lot rubbed off on you, it seems as well, you know, having that that spirit that she did. So that's really neat. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. Well, so let me ask you this to, to kind of end on here. Um, I always like to to lead these interviews with, you know, it's kind of an open forum type. Um, obviously, you've been traveling around. You you have a million more stories than most people, right, in terms of the travels you had and stuff like that. If there's any advice you would share um, to folks out there, and whether it's them, you know, kicking them in the pants to get them started on their own journey or things that you've just learned along the way, um, in yours so far, but any advice you'd share to kind of um, end our conversation on? Yeah, I would say the biggest advice I can give to people is pay attention to the, the words you say to yourself. Truly, words carry so many more emotions in with them, and they can either hold you back from achieving your dreams or allow you to take that next step to meet your goal. If you tell yourself a hundred times, I'm not good enough, uh, this is never going to happen, I'll never be able to do this, then it probably won't. But if you flip your language around and say, I am going to travel, not if I travel one day, but when I travel one day, and build yourself up. It was all in the language when I kind of made that switch in my mind of, I'm going to be a 
museum researcher and maybe write to I'm going to be a writer and maybe work in a museum is when I really started believing in myself more and more. So just tell yourself you can do it. Don't list the reasons why something seems impossible or difficult. List all the potential benefits and beautiful things that can come of taking that step out because at the end of the day, I would rather experience something and fail, but live with the satisfaction of knowing I tried it rather than never going out and trying anything in the first place. So it's a big, beautiful world of possibilities out there, and you don't have to have all the answers, the whole picture, puzzle, plan put together. Just have the beginning. Just have the start. Have one sure stepping stone to stand on, and then the next one will start to come. So it's okay to not have all the answers up front, but tell yourself you can do it, and then you'll be able to do it. And never be afraid to ask for help from anyone. Don't be afraid to admit what you don't know, because if you ask someone for a little help, more than likely they'll help you out. Rita, this has been an absolute pleasure to have you on and chat through this. A lot of stuff, obviously, I didn't know. Um, really cool hearing that story, um, many stories that you had about your travels and, and your great aunt and others. So I really appreciate you sharing all that and, uh, and coming on here. Yeah, thanks for having me. When we met back in January and got to talking, it was this feeling of, oh, my gosh, this this guy is reading my mind because just get started, it's, really a lot of the same themes and ideas that I talk about in my blog. It's just do it. Just do it. Go out, live your craziest dreams. Don't let fear stop you because you never know what will happen. So thank you. I've really enjoyed talking to you as well. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that episode or have been enjoying others along the way. Um, and if you don't mind, it will really mean a lot if you guys head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and leave me a review. Let me know how I'm doing. Um, give me a rating on there. Um, I certainly appreciate that feedback to make this podcast better each and every episode. Um, and please connect with me online. Instagram's probably the best, at um, Brian Andreco. That's B-R-I-A-N-O-N-D-R-A-K-O. Or go ahead and check out my website, brianandreco.com. That's where I house a ton of random crap like the podcast and my CrossFit journey and a variety of other blog articles. Um, and sign up for my newsletter be sending a little bit of uh, inspiration each and every week that uh, may be useful for you. So I certainly appreciate guys listening in. Thanks again. I hope you have a phenomenal week and we'll talk soon.